Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. My name is Al, and I'm here as always with my very best buddy, Dee. As always. As always. Because I live here. You live here. <laughs> this is where you live. This is where I live. It'd be weird if you did a podcast with someone else in my house. Yeah. Just <laughs> Me and Timbit. <laughs> He's not great for conversation. <laughs> That's true, but I feel like we can make it work. I think you have enough chutzpah that you two can make it work real good together. <laughs> what would you podcast about with a dog? Uh, toy reviews. Oh, he'd love that. Uh, he would spill all the tea on you. <laughs> and he's what got, you're like. He's got a lot of tea in there. <laughs> he, uh, he has... Um, Timbit has done the thing, because I'm home all the time. I'm not working currently, yeah. where he doesn't give a shit about me oh. when I'm, because I'm home all the time. So you're old news. But when producer, our producer comes home, it's, he's hot shit. <laughs> Timbit asks, begs to sit with him on the dog couch. You got to get more errands. Me? Doesn't, yeah. I <laughs> doesn't give two shits about you me. You got to leave him wanting more. I never do. Mm. I'm always here. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> Well, well, as you know, it is clogist. It is clogist, and I'm busting a clog wow. that's been <laughs> that's been in my uh, list since before we started recording this podcast. I love that for yeah. us. We're busting clogs right on the right on the list when we first started sort of compiling ideas. Excellent. Do you think that pigs are smart? Yes. Podcast over. Okay, that's the end. <laughs> pigs are like as smart as I heard like some of the dogs. The pigs are very smart. Yeah. Now, if there were a pig named Toby, oh, would you say that pig is smarter or less smart than other pigs? Toby the pig? Yeah. I mean, he has a name. He does have a name. So I assume he's smarter. Okay. Because he's got a name. So he would be smarter than, say, Franklin the pig. Well, that pig also has a name, so he would also They'd be equally as, as smart. smart. Yeah, any any named pig is equally as smart as any other pig. You got it. You got it. As Inter- long as they have a name. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, in the Georgian era, oh. around the 1780s, okay, a Scottish man named Samuel Bissett ran a traveling novelty show featuring what was called a learned pig. <gasps> oh! <laughs> I love learned animals. <laughs> The pig toured Britain, and its act was described at the time like this. This entertaining and sagacious animal casts accounts by means of typographical cards in the same manner as a printer composes, and by the same method sets down any capital or surname, reckons the number of people present, tells by evoking on a gentleman's watch in company what it is the hour and minutes. He likewise tells any lady's thoughts in company and distinguishes all sorts of colors. Okay, a couple of things... I just got to tear this down. Yeah. Number one, can tell the, tell the time. Yeah. Um, that's like number of oinks, right? Like this. Or like stamping feet. Stamping or feet, that whatever. Kind of thing. Um, to, can tell colors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the other things were like, can tell women's thoughts. Yeah. That's weird. This is, this pig inspired what women want. <laughs> <laughs> one pig knows actually what women will want. Yeah. Isn't that awful? <laughs> <laughs> Pigs is smart. Pigs is smart, yeah. When I went to the experimental farm in Ottawa, we went to go see the pigs, and it was two minutes before feeding time, and they knew the time, and they were going hog wild. Wow. And that's wild, because they're hogs. They are hogs. Wow. And they knew the time. Wow. Yeah. They knew what time it was. They were drooling and (laughs) snorfing and... You're going a whole hog. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. You're welcome. (laughs) 
1788, a report claimed that the pig had just returned from France following the revolution and that it was prepared to discourse on the feudal system, the rights of kings, and the destruction of the Bastille. So was it pro-bourgeoisie or... Just your classic post-revolutionary pig goof. Okay. Just a little little pig joke. Oh, just a little pig joke for me. Uh, they did make that joke in 1788. Of course that's they did. It, that's where it hit. One man is recorded as jokingly pointing out that the pig was likely tortured in order to train oh, yeah. to perform the feats, but mused that the pig has no cause to complain. He would have been killed in the first year if he had not been educated, and protracted existence is a good recompense for con- very considerable degrees of torture. I don't like this. This has this has uh, Florida history, like, state. What's the good things about torturing this pig? Well, he gets to live longer. Oh, no. I don't is know. what this man says. I don't like this. This man says uh, getting to live longer is worth torture. Even if you're also being tortured during this longer yeah, life. Yeah, is what he's uh, saying. I don't know about this. Um, I mean, which is kind of, if you think about it, basically what the American penitentiary system is based on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Just to... Something to think about. Mm. Ten years later, the first learned pig appeared in the United States. Ah, the first U.S. pig. Do you know what region of the United States? Or can you guess? The hog belt. New England. So, yes. Was New England the hog belt? You come from the hog belt. I don't come from the hog belt. (laughs) I thought the hog belt would be like Illinois. Yeah, I'm sure it is. (laughs) I'm just joking. The Chicago piggy. piggy You're, of course, from the crab belt. I am from the crab belt. And the rock, the hard water belt. <laughs> so many belts. So many belts. So little pants. <laughs> so William Frederick Pinchbeck claimed that his, quote, pig of knowledge had claimed knowledge had visited all the major towns in the Union and even met President John Adams to universal applause. Oh, my God. This pig met John Adams. Wow. <laughs> Although that claim is fairly suspect, considering he also said that some spectators accused him of witchcraft, with one saying that he was performing the black art and had corresponded with the devil. New England never changes. <laughs> New England vibes. The hog belt and the devil belt, they're just one and the same. <laughs> Uh, A few years at the outset of the 19th century, a newcomer named Toby the Sapient Pig. The Sapient Pig? Trained by illusionist Nicholas Hoare. Oh, boy. Hit the stage in London along with an 1817 autobiography entitled The Life and Adventures of Toby the Sapient Pig with his opinions on men and manners written by himself. Pig wrote the book. (laughs) Pig Pig wrote the book. You know how they like put a bunch of monkeys with typewriters. Yeah, this pig, they he didn't need monkeys. It was the blurst of times. It was. <laughs> As a result of Toby's popularity, his name became shorthand for the concept of a learned pig, which became enshrined in shared cultural knowledge used by writers, politicians, and other public figures, mostly as an insult for people they didn't like. I was much. gonna say they called people they didn't like a learned pig. Didn't yeah, they? or Toby. Toby. You're a real Toby. Toby. You're a real Toby. I would love to be a Toby. Toby's the smart pig. I would love to be a smart pig. (laughs) We humans have a long history of engaging with animals as as both entertainment as well as ways to get people to engage with material or concepts in a way that feels more comfortable and cut and dry. Okay. A century after the glory days of the intelligent pig, so the 1900s. (laughs) The glory. I wish we could go back to the glory days of the intelligent pig. Yeah, it was better back then. It was better back then. 
fun. <laughs> so then in the early 1900s, a performing horse named Beautiful Jim Key toured the country with his owner, William Key, in a special railroad car used to promote animal welfare. Well. A, a cause that was still in its infancy. Okay. Jim Key performed at Madison Square Gardens and was one of the most popular exhibits at the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Oh, my God. He was there. He was there. After seeing Beautiful Jim Key's act, which included reading, writing, making change for money, arithmetic with numbers below 30, and citing Bible passages in which a horse is mentioned. How could he cite a... Bu- well, he draws in the dirt the number of the oh, of the passage. Okay. Um, so after seeing all that, President William McKinley declared, This is the most astonishing and entertaining exhibition I have ever witnessed. <laughs> he wasn't easy to impress no. either. No. <laughs> he called it... <laughs> He called it an example of what kindness and patience could accomplish. William Key, Jim's owner, was a former slave who worked as a veterinarian and patent medicine salesman. And he emphasized that in teaching Jim, he only ever used patience and kindness and never punishment. So positive reinforcement. Yeah. And that's sort of where the animal welfare aspect. Got it. So like, you know, those other smart animals, they were tortured. But this smart animal, I just gave him lots of carrots and jelly beans. They would uh, take a beautiful Jim Key around to schools and he would do arithmetic for the children. And 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 the children felt really bad because they were better. Can you imagine (laughs) taking a test and like... Like, trying to get the horse outside your window to give you their answer. Hey, Jim. Beautiful Jim. Beautiful Jim. (laughs) Clop, 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 clop. But can you name the thing that animals have most often acted as representatives for? Makeup. (laughs) That's bad, though. That's not really the kind of representative I'm talking about. I thought, like, experimentation. What do you mean represented? Like, uh, like, uh, when someone says, hey, this animal, it's representing something. Oh, a cop. (laughs) <laughs> very good very good <laughs> what is it an 1884 issue of the cincinnati Enquirer described a nuisance at the baseball stadium like this <gasps> the goat was probably looking for some show bills oyster cans or some other usually palatable dish for his stomach but the audience could not see it in that light and thought that he was an even better mascot than the old-time favorite oh yeah we're talking mascot Jock o'clock wow I wish I knew how to pig who could tell time, because then I would have known. It's mascot time. It's mascot time. A stray goat was an improvement on the previous sports team mascot of choice. A little boy. A little boy. Oh, no! Oh my god. They just I've never heard you <laughs> make that noise before. <laughs> a little boy. A little boy. Oh no. Did did like the twelve players of the baseball team adopt a little boy? Wow. Like, oh no. <laughs> the French word mascotte, meaning good luck charm. Oh, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was popularized with English speaking audiences by the opera La Mascotte in eighteen eighty one. The show is about an Italian farmer whose crops wouldn't grow until he met a mysterious virgin who would act as a good luck charm for him unless she fucked. Oh, you hate to see it. Yeah, because if she's not a virgin, she's not helping anymore. <laughs> she's not. She's, good, she's not a mascot. So the first mascot was a virgin? Well, in this, yeah, this this um, opera. Oh, wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. Should have used a goat. 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 Goat can fuck as much as it wants. Yep. 
And that's why it's the goat. <laughs> so naturally, this word was used by Sporting Life and the New York Times for little boys, like Little Nick of the Boston Browns and Charlie Gallagher, children who carried bats and ran errands for the player, swiftly becoming the focus of sports fan superstitions. So like bat boys. Bat boys. Oh my God. And players were like, if, the, if this little bat boy picks his nose, we're getting a home run. You know, that kind of thing. How Do you know how young these little guys were? Oh, I mean, uh, probably like between six and nine. This is incredible. Yeah. Can I Just can I tell guys. you a little bit about little, little kids Please. in baseball? We're um, watching the um, MLB um, home run derby. Oh yeah. Where they're just hitting some, they're just slugging some balls right out the park. They're just hitting some dingers. <laughs> but it was in Seattle in the Mariner Stadium, and what they do is they flood the stadium with children. Oh no. No no no! In on in the green. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> So when they're hitting some dingers, the kids go and run and get the ball. Nightmare. It was hilarious. It was really cute. They're just they're scattered all over the That's place. That's pretty cute. Yeah, so they get to they get to collect the balls. But seeing these tiny children run like across with their huge gloves running across to get a fucking home run it was so good. Those kids are gonna be tuckered out. Oh, they're gonna have a good nap afterwards. <laughs> But animals weren't the only popular choice for sports mascots. Oh. Obviously, some teams continue to use human beings or rather racist caricatures of entire cultural groups as a team mascot. Oh, yeah. But others went with another bold option. What? A single adult man. Oh, the Homer Simpson. <laughs> I know that one. Such as Bernie Brewer of the Milwaukee Brewers. What? Or the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers mascot, Herbie Husker. It's just a guy. It's just a guy. But is it a guy in a felt costume, or is it literally just a guy? Well, they oh. sort of transitioned, as <laughs> people do. Um. <laughs> you, know, you know when you transition from man to mascot? It's a time in all our lives. Wow. And, of course, there's one baseball-domed boy that we simply can't forget. Uh, Mr. Matt. Yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Yes, pumping my fists in the air, <laughs> Mr. Met, Mr. Met. In the 1960s, alongside the burgeoning work of Jim Henson, the <gasps> shift from live human and animal mascots to costume characters was spearheaded by New York's Mr. Met. I did not know Mr. Met was Jim Henson, and maybe that's why I well, love him. Well, he wasn't so made by Jim Henson, oh, but, oh, oh, but oh. The, the move was the inspired move. Okay. by the work of Jim Henson, which got was it, coming it, out at that it. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, wait, we don't have to use people and animals? We Philly just, was like, really big guy? into that, too. The Philly fanatic? Yeah. He was like Jim Henson-inspired as well. The evolution of Mr. Met and his contemporaries, Mr. Brewer and Husker, has opened the gates for not just humans and animals, but also things. Uh. Podcast favorites, the Philly Fanatic and Gritty, are lovable weirdos that were helped into existence by a long legacy. Yes. And the one from Montreal, the Montreal, um, oh God, I forget his name. Uh, the Montreal mascot, who is just a man with a big red beard. Oh, yeah. He's just a guy. Just a guy. He's just a guy. Just a guy. But the longest-serving animal mascots in American history likely aren't for any sports teams, mm. but a team of a different nature. Mm. Much like Toby the Learned Pig, the donkey's association with politics emerged in 1828. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Gotcha. 
So this is interesting. Yeah. I don't know about it this. It is. Yeah. So the doggies association with politics emerged in 1828 as an yeah. insult to former Democratic president and famously stubborn motherfucker Andrew Jackson. <laughs> oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> and the reference stuck. Okay. In 1870, cartoonist Thomas Nast first, oh, used, this motherfucker. first used the donkey to represent the Democratic Party overall in Harper's Weekly. Yeah. Four years later, in 1874, Nast introduced the elephant as a representative of the Republican Party. One theory for the choice of an elephant was that pro-unionist Republicans, they used to say seeing the elephant to mean that they saw battle in the Civil War. So they were like, hey, you see the the elephant? I see. Yeah, I see the elephant. Because that was back when Republicans were anti-slavery, pro-abolitionists. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Then we did a switcheroo, real switcheroo. Real switch, real new kind of Republican kind of came in, as we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. I understand now. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. By the early 1920s, both parties had begun to embrace the fursonas assigned to them by a cartoonist, or AFBC for short. I love this take. Assigned fursona by cartoonist? I love that they have fursonas. <laughs> yeah. Because we could really rattle some... <laughs> really rattle, rattle some, some chains, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, at this point in time, these animals are such an identifiable shorthand for the two parties that they've been used as such in television cartoons like The Simpsons for decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the first cartoon on television to feature the donkey and the elephant as political icons <gasps> was part of another famous first. The first television commercials advertising a presidential candidate. Oh, wow. What year? So this was for the 1952 election. So Eisenhower? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Dwight D. Eisenhower, born in 1890, was supreme commander of the Allied Expeditionary Force in the Second World War, which made him a five-star general and provided him the leverage and notoriety needed to make big political moves once the war ended. Uh Uh-huh. He was Republican. He was a Republican, yes. He originally entered the 1952 race to block out the isolationist Republican Mm. candidate Robert E. Taft, which Mm. put him up against Democratic hopeful Adlai Stevenson for the title fight. Oh, Adlai. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. So a little bit of uh, info about Eisenhower's presidency. Please. He was a one-term president. Yes. And his time in the White House was marked by major moves both at home and abroad. He authorized the interstate highway system and founded NASA, Mm. directing them to recruit military test pilots like John Glenn as their first set of astronauts. Gotcha. He tried to initiate a disarmament proposal with the USSR once they successfully tested an H-bomb, working with Premier Georgi Malenkov to find a piece that never came to fruition. Because, you know, the Cold War. Uh Uh-huh. Handed a delicate balance of early Cold War era brinksmanship, for better or worse, he decided not to proceed with the American military intervention for the anti-communist rebels in Budapest during the 1956 Hungarian Revolution, Mm. but he did continue the anti-communist political discontent in Eastern Europe through psychological and economic warfare. Look, you gotta pick one. You gotta pick one. You gotta do something. You know, we're not we're not in that contra shit yet. We gotta keep it under the rug. Absolutely. (laughs) He also kept close contact with Harold Macmillan, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, or at least he was Prime Minister until the John Profumo fuck scandal. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta get that in there, Chris. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that. This guy's fucking a lady, she's fucking a spy. It's wild. In Southeast Asia, he turned down the French's request for aid after the fall of Jian Bien Phu, and at home in the U.S., worked to implement Truman's intentions for desegregation across the country. Mm-hmm. He also contributed to the Lavender Scare, terminating more federal employees for sexual orientation than for being members of the Communist Party. <laughs> Thanks. Um, 
Thanks. Thanks. Dwight Eisenhower, a.k.a. Ike. Yep. Was America's first television president. Wow, that would be. Yeah. yeah. Goodness gracious. He was first introduced to the American public as a presidential candidate through the same medium that aired I Love Lucy and sold yes. them hula hoops. Hell yeah. Can I say there's a, you know, the, you know, the, I think it was the menswear guy on yeah. Twitter. The menswear guy that we all know. Yeah. He did a thread on the best uh, 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 fashion out of an ad campaign. Oh, really? A political ad campaign. And there was an A-line dress that was white and it had red Ikes on it. Oh. Like a pattern. It was stunning. Oh, my God. But I would hate to picture the woman in that dress. Yeah, I don't want to know about that. Uh, but the dress was fantastic. <laughs> the other one was like a cute little um, uh, uh, 60s number. Mm-hmm. Like a little, you know, like a, a twiggy. But it had Robert Kennedy's face on it. Oh, of course it did. It was really good. <laughs> Those freaking Kennedys. <laughs> so I can make a fashion statement is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, is it was Ike the one behind it? No. No. That introduction to the American public was orchestrated by an advertising executive named Rosser Reeves. Mm. The first sentence of Rosser Reeves' Wikipedia page section, Advertising Style, reads, Reeves believed the purpose of advertising was to sell. Uh, a word? What? Really? Oh, wow. Is, we that, gotta... is that the case? What? <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing it all wrong. Yeah. Reeves believed that to work, advertising had to be honest. <laughs> just a little laugh. A little just, a tiny, just a tiny little one. <laughs> he created all of the ads for Eisenhower's 1952 election campaign, many of which featured a regular person, quote unquote, asking a question which the presidential candidate would then answer. Mm-hmm. Reeves' intention was to present Eisenhower as a forthright, strong, yet friendly leader. He had the candidate remove his glasses to appear stronger. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound honest to that me. That doesn't sound honest to me. The commercials were created by letting old Ike talk for hours oh and then God. creating questions that fit his musings. <gasps> This is ve- actually that's very good. <laughs> They're like, could you just because you know what go these on, all just, just go. go we'll we'll, go. we'll work around you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently he was very bad on camera. Oh, I yes, I famously <laughs> very bad. Well, there weren't a lot of people good on camera because there weren't a lot of television. Yeah, cameras it was new to it, it was new. new. It was yeah. new. Maria Manns, a liberal journalist, wrote a poem to reflect her feelings about the campaign. Mm. Eisenhower hits the spot. One full general, that's the lot. Feeling sluggish, feeling sick? Take a dose of Ike and Dick. Philip Morris, Lucky Strike, oh Alka Seltzer, I like Ike. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know you hear the words take a dose of Dick and you're sort of just... Yeah. There I go. Yeah. You're uh-huh. just on a Pepe Le Pew kind I of am, tear. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> My little, I got a white stripe down my back and I'm hopping like a little... And in your underwear. Yeah. Oh, 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 there it is. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't just boring spots of Eisenhower droning on about military power or foreign policy or some other bullshit. Yeah. I've picked one for us to watch that's a little more fun <gasps> and that might be the exact thing that makes it, as a part of the first ever televised political ad campaign, a little more sinister. Oh. <laughs> okay, we gotta. We gotta. If you want to watch Sad, you can uh, watch it along with us. It's in our sources. We'll return after these messages. I for president, I for president, I for president, I for president. You like Ike, I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. For president. Hang out the banner, 
beat the drum. We'll take right to Washington. We don't want John or Dean or Harry. Let's do that big job right. Just get in step with the guy that's hip. Get in step with I. You like Ike, I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike for president. Bring out the banner and beat the drum. We'll take right to Washington. We got to get where we are going. Travel day and night for president. Now is the time for all good Americans to come to the aid of their country. Welcome back to the show. I really like that one. <laughs> I had a smile on my face the entire time. That's what it's meant to do, baby. They don't, they don't make them like that. They do not make them like that anymore. I would love a cartoon, little cartoon cheer, cheer, jingle, jingle. Yeah. In my presidential ads. Also, may I say, the Ike, the the, the car- caricature of Ike just looked like fucking Frasier. Yeah, I sure did. It just I sure like did. Kelsey Grammer. I feel like this is the style of politics that Joe Biden is desperately clinging to. With his cold skeleton hands. <laughs> if he did this, it would be something. Yeah. If he did this, it would be something. It's true, it's true. But instead, it's nothing. It's nothing. Because he's like, I don't have to do anything because over there is all like... It's, it's a big fire. It's a bi- so I just have to be over here. That's not true. Oh, boy. You gotta fucking do something. You gotta do... Hey, you gotta do anything. Uh, just like, uh, goof em ups aside, hey, Democrats... <laughs> When you wonder about, like, hmm, no one's voting anywhere, <laughs> it's because the disenfranchisement of an entire group you could reach out to, but choose not to. And also the fact that you're all 80 years old. <laughs> so old, fuck. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So what'd you see? I saw a cute little parade. Yeah. And then I saw, it's got balloons, it's got the jingle, you got the elephant. Got the elephant. His tail is hitting a, a, a drum. Mm-hmm. He's got, there's a little flag on his trunk. I also love the little dog. There's a family with a little dog yeah. and he had a little tail that said Ike. I love it. I think this is what we need to do. Yeah. I think that's way more memorable than fucking weird attack ads. Do you see the, the donkeys? I did see the donkeys. Yeah. It was allied, allied uh, riding the donkey. Yep. Uh, it was like... Going in the opposite direction. Going, and then they had three donkeys that looked like uh, Democratic yeah. presidential candidates, probably. They sure did. Uh, they sure did. One had big glasses. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I think that's fun. I think that's fun. <laughs> I just think it's fun. I think it's Did fun. I vote for him? No. Yes, because it's cute. <laughs> that's better than and anything. And now we're at war with Korea. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh, no, I think okay. It's like when the uh, last presidential election happened, and I I felt the need to go back to the West Wing. Yeah, because that like it's nice politics. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's, feels it's good. Genteel. Politics. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that it's a genteel baby. <laughs> Just like Ike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what this was. This, it's this, like, like myth-making style <laughs> of, of politics. Boy. That does not exist and, no. and didn't exist when they were making West Wing either. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> but man, it makes you feel good. Yeah. It's 2023. 
2023. The next election, American election, is in 2024? Yeah, it's going to be real bad either way you shake it. Oh, man. That's so soon. Uh, okay, here's what I'm going to propose. Yeah. We bring back that commercial. Okay. We use the same thing. It, same, same exact one. It's but Ike? Ike. Yes, it is Ike. The elephant. Oh, the elephant. Yeah, the Ike's name. Ike is the elephant. The elephant is Ike. The elephant. The elephant that's banging the drum. Is running for president. Yeah. Okay. And so when he stomps, that's his answers for whatever else he's is He's a learned on. elephant. He's a learned elephant. He can write numbers with his trunk. Is VP the pig? Toby yeah, a, pi- yeah, a pig. Okay. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, pig pro. I don't know. What would pigs be pro? Green... Green labor, corn, corn? Farm? farm, agriculture. I don't agriculture. know. Um, <laughs> there's nothing in the rules that says an elephant can't play nuclear football. Now, the only thing. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> Thank you. The only thing is, I don't know if they get them because you have to be 42 and you have to be, you can't be a naturalized citizen. I don't know if, they're I not, guess. There are elephants born in this country. That were born country. here. There were elephants born in this country. Maybe he grew up in a zoo and that's what gave him a passion for the people. Yeah. He saw the people coming in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other the other candidates will attack that he, you know, but he'll say, I, w- I came from a family of immigrants. Yeah. Uh, Growing up in the zoo, I, I understand what it means for infrastructure to be broken in a way that right? harms people and elephants uh-huh. and other animals. He's also into the five minute city because, you know, then he can walk, he can stomp everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and pigs got little legs. <laughs> uh, also into widening highways for oddly the same reason. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's very big. <laughs> into the walkable city. Yeah. Just make that. That's the same. We just put it. I'd out. vote for the elephant. We would all vote for the elephant. Now, is the elephant a third party? Or is the this elephant is a, question. a Democrat? No, I think what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to have a fucking meltdown because it's putting guy or a guy in jail. Yeah, and they're all going to just kind of shoot like, each well, other. They're like, well, fuck. What are we going to do? Just put an elephant. Just put an elephant. And you know what? It'll probably win. <laughs> so we are, technically, we are going to vote for a Republican candidate. But only if it's an elephant. But it is an, it is an elephant, elephant named Ike. Ike. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel bad. It still feels bad. Yeah, it still feels really bad, actually. <laughs> So I think that maybe he should be a third party candidate. Okay, he could be that a third in my party. opinion. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not you know what? Even if it was a fun elephant named Ike, I'm not voting I'm Republican. Not voting for- Partially because I'm not an American citizen and I can't vote. <laughs> I'm still not doing it. Uh yeah, whatever. Ike is whatever you want him to be. Man, baby. Ike's the concept. He's the- <laughs> anyway, that's it. I love it. You also want another concept? I would, you know what? I am feasting on concepts and <laughs> theories and possibilities. Well, this possibility, it took place when I was in Utah, Southern Utah. Oh. And um, it was in Moab, which is a very, very hot part of the country. It's a, a valley in between two national parks. Ooh. And it was quite hot. Mm-hmm. And they're very concerned. With fire safety. As so they should. Because it's very hot and dry there. <laughs> uh, so in all the gas stations, the Maverick gas stations, they all played local commercials for Ooh. fire safety. Wow. It was really, really awesome. So every time we went to fill up the gas, there's a new local ad. 
Now there is a Maverick, it's called Maverick Spark Safety. They have a YouTube page. Mm -hmm. There was one I was trying to find, could not find. It was about a gender reveal party that oh went my God. wrong. <laughs> That's not on the internet. Oh boy. But I was they scrubbed that. obsessed with that one. So is, this is made by the gas station? It's made by the gas station. Wow. And they probably get some, you know, kickback from it. You're not going to get that at the Jiffy Steak and Lube. No, no absolutely the Quaker not. Steak and Lube. Or Jiffy, who or, knows? Yeah. Well, Jiffy doesn't have steak, crucially. <laughs> They should. Uh, okay, so let's see the very first Spark Maverick Spark Safety ad that played at gas stations only. Yes, please. Um, if you want to watch it, you can go to our sources. We'll cut the train off at the pass, and Spanky here will tie up the driver while Rhett and I unload the goal. You got it, boss. Now we ride. Ain't you forgetting something, fellas? Always thoroughly extinguish your campfire before leaving camp. Drown, stir, and fill it. If it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. Spark safety, not wildfires. I guess train robbing ain't her jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I know. Wow. <laughs> so much to unpack. <laughs> we have we have three cowboys who about to set off, and then we have got a sheriff who's like, put out that fire. This is extremely Red Dead Redemption vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the sheriff gives them some some advice. You gotta you gotta splash, you yeah. gotta stir, you gotta bury. Yeah. And then if it's still hot to the touch, you can't it's leave. too hot to leave. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I did like. Yeah, I did like the tagline: "Maverick sparks safety, not fires." Yeah. Like, that's really good. Also, they did kind of sass her. They did sass her. They said she's not in the train robbing business. Like, no, because she very clearly has a <laughs> sheriff badge. That's a cop, <laughs> sir. Sir, that's a cop. Sir, that is a cop. Um, so uh, the uh, Maverick teamed up with the BLM. Oh, um, the. But not the other BLM. The, okay. The the land management bureau of land management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Okay. Funny mistake. Um, and they 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 got a grant to do these ads. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So uh, you it know, it was a, it was a enjoyable. They they were always very enjoyable when you watch them. Uh, I just love the an ad that only appears at a gas station. I mean, you're in a gas station. You got the aircon busting. Yeah. Like that's a good time, right? Absolutely. You're getting a big drink. But oddly enough, all the, like, in BC, you know, we have a fire a fire band right yeah. now. We always do during the summer. There, you could do every campground. Yeah, that fire. was interesting. I did see, like, because, yeah, we do fire bands, and then you're just like, you can have a fire. You just got to do stuff about it. Um, I think it's because we talked to our ranger there because we, it was wild. The first night, there were so many fires. Yeah. And like, First of all, it's fucking 40 degrees. Why are you having a fire? Yeah. Um, maybe to cook, but a lot of the people are just having in. a fire. But the ranger said, we don't have a lot of vegetation. Mm. So nothing, if, it, if the fire escapes, it really doesn't go up. Or if it goes up, it's not that big a deal. But anyway, hmm. really odd. Really odd, yeah. If you have a local ad that only appears at gas stations, <laughs> please uh, email us at creeps at gmail.com. And also, just in general, we love to hear from you. Yeah. You're great. 
You're, You're a star, kid. Aww. Uh, you can also find us on Blue Sky and co-host and uh, Instagram at Ad Creeps. Yeah. Um, we have abandoned our Twitter. It's bad. It's gone. Oh, we have officially? I mean, I've decided. You have. I, I'm not on either. Okay, we're gone. <laughs> we're gone. Uh, and uh, we also have a Kofi where you can uh, kick us a buck or two if yeah. you like what we do. You know, you like what you do. We we don't advertise for obvious reasons. Um, we are an Andy Cavalier show about advertising. <laughs> is the obvious reason for that. Hey, if you want to become our little boy mascot, <laughs> throw you us can a dollar pay for the opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's it. That is it. Okay, until next time, we are signing, signing off. off. But first, it weren't for my spouse. Oh, I love a, I love a mascot. We should get we should get a mascot for the podcast. We should get a yeah. mascot for a podcast. It was just Joey Peppers. It is Joey Peppers. It's a little guy. <laughs>